0: Welcome to an episode of Three Men in a War Game. I'm your host, Paul.
1: I'm a co-host, Kevin. I guess I'm the other co-host, Potter. (laughs) Works. Hello, Uh, Paul. How are you doing tonight?
0: I am doing absolutely fantastic because I've been waiting for this episode for a couple weeks now.
1: Yep, yep. Uh, i i realized we even recorded one in between that you wanted to do this one instead so we're doing this one today
0: <laughs> i know i know it's been yeah it's been like a, a two week a two episode gap between where we're like oh let's do it and then it didn't happen and then
2: it didn't happen i blame happen the bad admiral
1: yeah but that was a that was a fun one now, chris how are you No, doing? it was
2: i'm good um busy at work but uh but other than that it's Doing good,
1: sweet, sweet. Also good here.
2: Um, I was about to ask, but I was drinking my uh, my Dr Pepper cherry. No, and, uh,
1: y'all, y- y'all are good. Y'all are good. No, it's good here too. Uh, a lot of work, a lot of hobbying. Uh, and speaking of hobbying, Paul, what are you been up to? What have you been hobbying on?
0: Um, well, I've been I've been hobbying stuff for the game that we're going to talk about in just a few moments. Uh, so, so I'm ooh. gonna I'm gonna keep the suspense going until we start talking about it. Um. But I have built, uh, and and I'm sticking to my play it painted for the most part. Um, I'm going to go out and play on on Thursday, and I will have I'll have some stuff not painted, but I'm getting pretty darn close um, to a, a thousand point list for it. Um, but yeah, I've built, uh, I, yeah, I've gotten a whole a whole unit done, a commander done, and I'm working on my second unit now, and. Uh, I got some some stuff to paint afterwards. That's built, and uh, let me tell you, I've started dabbling with slap chop, and it is far better than I thought it would
1: ever be. Yeah, man. D- dubbed co- contrast plus by me before slap chop. Just say that's right. That's right. Yeah, sorry, sorry,
0: sorry. The 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 speed paint plus because I'm using the speed paints, <laughs> <All right>. um, <laughs> which which I absolutely absolutely prefer to the contrast paints. The only downside to them is that they do reactivate, um, but. That's not really a concern because I'm not going in like highlighting or, or anything like that. And from my understanding is that that was actually a, uh, somewhat of a feature of the paints is that they're designed, they're designed to be, uh, reactivate for a certain amount of time. So this way, if you are working on like blending and stuff like that, you can go back and do it. However, their original formulation, uh, doesn't stop. So they're apparently reworking it. And my understanding is that they're pretty close to having it figured out and released. Um, so that problem will go away. The new, the new formula, uh, my understanding is that after two hours, uh, then it no longer reactivates. Sweet. That's good. news. let me, let me tell you the speed paint plus. Oh boy. Like I, the first, the first unit I painted, I did without the, uh, plus, And just did the speed paints and I really liked the way they came out and uh, then decided I was going to do the the black primer and, you know, the the Vallejo brush on primer on top of that dry brushed and then the the white highlights. And I couldn't believe how much different it came out. And one of the things.
1: Oh, this is a huge difference.
0: Yeah. And one of the things that I found that it really did for me is that it removed kind of the like. Uh, the speed paints and stuff can be somewhat like comically bright. Yes. And this, uh, dulls it a lot, which means that it's then, um, fitting more into the aesthetic that I like for miniatures, which is not that quite bright look. Yeah, yeah they, don't I'll, I'll over, say, they don't look
1: over. They don't look oversaturated, right? Because that's the issue: yeah. is they look like oversaturated and samey. And the the, mm-hmm. the the contrast plus or speed paint plus or slap shot method really tones that down.
2: Yeah, I, I'll say the yeah. se- the second unit you painted, um, using the slap shot meso- method versus the one you didn't use it. Like, even though you use the same colors, by far, much much better. It was toned down. You could see the shadows mm-hmm. a lot better. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and again, it just looks like you painted them normally, and they they do the the three foot rule. They looked fantastic.
0: And and now the one thing I will say is that it definitely does uh, extend the amount of time that you're working on a miniature, um, which is fine, right? Like the 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 ones that I've done with the speed paint plus method uh, were a little bit had a, a little bit extra stuff on them uh, versus just the, the more FUD FUDs they're you know, like more commander type guys. Uh, so that may also have contributed to the extra time. Um, just more, more bits and more, uh, recesses to get at. So when I'm, once I'm done building everything so I can play, uh, on Thursday, I'm going to get back to painting the, the next round of FUD FUDs and seeing if that, uh, changes the amount of time that, that I'm doing the, uh, dry brushing, but I mean, it, I, I feel like even if it does add that extra time, it's 100% worth it. Uh, it's yeah, I've been, I've been super happy, surprisingly super happy with it. Cause I, you know, I knew it made a difference, but seeing it in person and doing it, uh, was just like a huge change. Like that was, that was really cool.
2: Can so, I, yeah. can I also, uh, point out that like, I love the fact that Fud Fud's has stuck with you guys. And now that you use it on the regular, <laughs> Like I love that. <laughs> my contribution to the show is done.
1: Heck yeah. FUD FUDS. I do enjoy I... calling them FUD FUDS. <laughs> cool. Anything else you've been working on?
2: Okay. That was I was I didn't know if you were done yet or not. Um,
0: no, I'm done. That's it. That's that's been taking all my time. I haven't even been building like half-built Gundam, so
2: Yeah, so uh I have been working on my secret project a lot as well too. I have Unlike Paul, I'm not doing, uh, speed paint plus. So, uh, I'm painting them normally, but I am experimenting with new paints, uh, because one of the local stores here got the brand new, uh, Vallejo gang color line, uh, that if anybody's been following, uh, uh, Angel's, uh, social media, he's been, you know, promoting the heck out of that and they're fantastic. Um, I've used, uh, three colors out of the line so far, and they're just amazingly easy to work with. They're smooth, um, they're very opaque. They've went to a uh, a tricolor model, um, so that that makes it easier for your your bases, your midtones, and your highlights. Um, so yeah, I got a I got everything built except for the new unit I just bought this week. Well, the and the new commander I bought this week, um, which is one of the We're most gorgeous unit. Uh huh. What? What was that? What a unit. Yeah. So, um and then I have been building my Shadow Collective for Legion out of my um backlog because we have an upcoming Barn Day uh and we we're playing Legion that day. So, I am getting my Shadow Collective uh dusted off and out of the backlog and I've got most of that built. I think I have 3 units and the bus left to build. For for my Shadow Collective,
0: nice.
1: So I've been
2: that's I've been exciting. Cool. I've been quite busy. So what about you, Chops?
1: I've been working on uh, dystopian wars. So I've been painting some what? boats.
2: <laughs> somebody somebody got Chops to play a game.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it happened. It happened. Yeah. Well, so he's been I, playing uh, games, was just,
2: mad. He's been playing games, but just not miniature games.
1: It's true. Well, yeah, well no, but
0: yeah. I mean, but somebody talked him into playing a game. Usually, he's the talker into.
1: Uh, it's it's absolutely correct. Um, but you know, I uh, I've got some some good and bad history with War Cradle, and I'm 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 ready to to dip my toe back into what they're doing. Um, and I like that they've got like a section of the market that sort of doesn't have any competition, right? They're kind of playing in their own little pool uh, or their <laughs> own their own ocean, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, also it just happens that I really love the union boats. <laughs> like I love the like paddle boat and giant cannon aesthetic. So, um, yeah, uh, I picked a color scheme that's pretty close to the box art and they're coming out pretty sweet. That's
0: fantastic. I, yeah, I was going to ask you which one you, which one you went with, but I, I think you kind of, uh, Implied which one you would end up with when we did that recording. Yeah.
1: USA, USA. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I've been, uh, yeah, I've been definitely, uh, definitely paying some union dudes. I probably would have picked Russian if, uh, if not for the fact that I love the paddle boats. If it wasn't for the paddle boats, I probably would have gone for the the the, the Commonwealth.
2: Uh yeah. yeah, I will say today, like so. On our Discord, a lot of people were talking about some Russian boats, and I agree with you on what you what your comment those were very Russian.
1: <laughs> they are, yeah, they're it, super. It was Russian. like
2: the Kremlin on a boat,
1: <laughs> it's ag- 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 aggressively <laughs> Russian, yeah, definitely. Mobile, mobile Kremlin, they're super cool, though. Um, yeah, and they have like aggressively Russian names too. <laughs> um but yeah definitely definitely i'm feeling it i'm feeling dystopian wars i got the rules in in my belt i'm still maybe like a little leery of the number of dice and the like <laughs> lethality of the game it is just it's impressively lethal like as i'm like mentally playing a game I'm like jesus christ this game is destructive um but that might be great so i'm uh and i'm having fun painting the boats so that's what matters that's what matters yeah. yeah,
0: that's really what matters.
1: Because, I mean, we think about this hobby and, you know, 75% of it isn't on the gaming table. It's away from it. Um, so you got to like that part. Yeah. Yeah, it's true.
2: But, I mean, every time you every time you guys talk about it, all I want to do is just use the boats, boats, boats meme from boats. Uh, How I Met Your Mother.
1: <laughs> For sure. For <laughs> See, I go
0: family guy with a, a, a boat's a boat, but the mystery Kid box could be anything. Maybe even a boat. Yeah.
1: Got that episode, I forgot about it. (laughs) It's all those. That's
0: old old school, old school.
1: Main topics, gentlemen.
2: Yeah, I was like, Paul, what are we talking about?
0: So, uh, as a little bit of lead in here, um, way back in the day now, uh, geez, now like legitimately a decade or so ago, probably more than, um, I used to play a game that I absolutely loved, Fantastic Lore, uh bloated but really fun playing to it lots of lots of tactical decision making and uh like there was just nothing like it nothing seeing those minis on the table uh and and just just absolutely fantastic and and straight up just fond memories of the game uh and and I've missed it on some levels like originally I was like yeah it's fine it's gone that's that's not a problem I'm not playing it anymore uh but the further I got away from it, the more I was like, there's lots of things that I liked about that, that I'm missing. And that game was called Warhammer fantasy battles. So after time of saying, no, I don't need a giant mass battle rank and flank game, uh, came, like I said, came around on missing that six by four, worrying about your flanks and angles and whatnot. And, uh, I think I found a good replacement for it. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> that would be conquest. Last argument of kings.
1: All right, that's what we're talking about. Um,
0: <gasps> finally, finally reveal the mystery <laughs> project for Chris and I.
1: Yes, because I, mean, I, I got in Discord Because. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because y'all have almost got me roped in if I didn't already want to be playing a different Mass Battle game that we'll talk about on a different show.
0: Which shall still remain secret.
1: <laughs> not that secret. I guess there's not very many options <laughs> if it's not Conquest <laughs> and it's not Warhammer. It's pretty clearly the other one. Uh, that's okay, though. <laughs> um, I, I, I will, we'll, we'll talk about that because I'm planning on doing an episode. But yeah, Conquest. So yep. let's let's break this down the way we typically break down games. So for, first, give me the elevator pitch. What's the size of the, the game? What's the model count? What's the activation style? So there's there's a couple of
0: things that go in there. Um, I mean, it's a it's a rank and flank mass battle game. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it it comes with everything that you think about that. But there's some dynamics to it that are uh, a lot more modern than what we had with with fantasy. Right. Because fantasy was obviously archaic. Yeah. Um,
1: I mean, even though it's know. the same the same designer. Like Yes. It, same, yes. The and the that's, same-
0: that's the thing. It, it, Alessio Cavator uh, was one of the initial designers the on the initial,
1: game. Yeah. The game's changed a lot, I think, since Alessio's first draft. And that's the same as as well, we'll just call it. We'll say it because now we have to Kings of War. Right. Kings of War is yes. also the original draft is Alessio um so it's funny that like the three biggest skirmish games like mass battle skirmish games are all designed by the same person but it's i mean if you go to like modern and and otherwise skirmish it's all rick Priestley, right so right, <laughs> it's right i mean kind of, even 40k still somewhat resembles rick Priestley's original design so there's only so many i guess designers that we give the space to do this but yeah yep. alessio no, back right. again
0: yeah. So and and I mean, so I guess I guess the first thing to tell you there, though, is it it does have a lot of models. Right. You are fielding um, a lot of models, but they're they're bigger. They're, I think, pretty close to a 40 millimeter scale.
1: Yeah. 30. If not. Yeah. So, yep.
0: so they're they're very big models. So they they have much more of a presence than. Uh, the old warhammer fantasy right they're definitely a whole lot bigger uh, but they but the way that yeah the way they've designed it though is that it's a lot easier to use them because they kind of are like the other side where you have a a square base that fits four round bases in it and that's how you set them up
1: which we'll call right, so going not forward. A, with... We'll do the thing. We define it as a stand, right? So a stand yep. is a a group of four models or one bigger model, right? Uh, yep. But yeah, just to to define the the thing. So when we when we say stands going forward, that's what we mean. A stand is a group of four FUD funds.
0: Yep. Um, so yeah. So so they make it a little bit easier that way. Um, as far as your dynamics go, because I know like when I was playing with my dark elves way back in the day, um, they would fall over a whole lot, right? Like that was, that was always a pain in the ass. Um, so this, this works out a whole lot better. Um, and a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that is like, if you've ever played fantasy, you'll say, Oh, I remember this type of stuff, right? There's a lot of upgrades and commanders and, and all of that type of stuff, which is great. Um, and, and, You know, it's it's meant to be a large mass battle game. Um, So it it also visually comes with all of those wonderful things of seeing the banners waving on the field and charging cavalry units.
1: And just like lots, lots of models, right? It's like a big. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, like uh, dwarven core hounds, you know, with cannons on the side and um, T-Rexes being ridden by
1: orcs amazing well let's let's stop there for just a second because yeah sorry i, I, I got wanna, excited it's okay it's okay and the reason i want to stop here because we get we're going to get into mechanics and we're going to talk about some of the mechanics of the game and what makes this game different and special but one of the things that makes this game different and special has nothing to do with the mechanics and everything to do with the aesthetics Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and I, I feel like that is a thing we cannot understate because I think one of the reasons that 40k is so popular still today, outside of the fact that it's an old brand and people recognize it, is it's fucking cool, right? The aesthetics right. of 40k are cool. I don't care how much you hate 40k, that shit is cool looking. Mm-hmm. Um and this game drips cool. Like it's it is so cool it's almost try hard, right? It's like right on the line. Yeah, uh, it does walk that line. Um, but it is really aggressively cool. Like like I think one of the coolest takes on dark fantasy and you hit on it, right? Like orcs riding dinosaurs, like they're kind of like Aztec or Maya, right? Or like yes. this yep. the way that the orcs look. And then you've got like undead Romans and like elves that make fucking flesh zombies like (laughs) so so many cool things and then vanilla humans too right but like even the vanilla humans are badass looking like they're cooler than any bretonian miniature. And I won't even hear anything about it. Cause they just are like, if you see the hundred kingdoms models all lined up and someone's done like a very cool, colorful scheme, they look better than any bretonian army. They're just neat looking.
0: And part of that is the, the larger scale.
1: Yeah. Bigger scale, lots of detail on the models, very thoughtful design, good, good ways to pose the models. Mm-hmm. um and so if you haven't ever looked at this game like and right now you're listening you definitely need to just google conquest last argument of kings and like i'll just say start look start right away looking at old dominion models and i, I promise you you're gonna be like holy shit this stuff is cool as a hell hmm. um I wonder, I wonder what happened to me
0: yeah so locally the game has really taken off um and you know for me i've kind of been watching the game for for several years now and, you know, initially the the initial models, I didn't think were super impressive. Um, you know, so I was like, eh, I don't know. Spires are kind of weird looking and the humans are, are not the greatest sculpts. Um, and, you know, just kind of been watching it and being like, oh, the dwarves look really cool. The Nords look really cool. These dinosaur riding orcs look really cool, too. Um, and one of our local stores started stocking it. So I kept going in. And looking at it and going like, man, I wish somebody would play since like December, Mm -hmm. um, like a a little group of friends uh, was starting to look into it. And and um, I was starting to look at it and somehow and I don't even think it was necessarily me. I think it was you, Kevin. um, Mm -hmm. You brought coincidentally Potter in on it. um, And then clearly that was the okay to go because I'd have a player.
1: I showed you guys the Wadroon versus Old Dominion starter or whatever it is. Yeah, it
2: it was it was that as well as uh so you you started posting on the Discord. What what got me re-engaged looking back at it was uh, our Discord act honestly. The the channel started picking up. There was there was posts going in there and chops you posted the City State stuff and I remembered like Months and back in COVID, we were talking about Conquest a little bit on the show, and you had mentioned like the fact that it's a living world, and that one of the new armies that got voted on was these undead Romans. And I love anything Greco-Roman, so mm-hmm. like it just keep me. And then I mistook the city states as you know the uh, the old Dominion, the, the the undead Romans, and that's what kind of got piqued my interest and started, started looking and started looking and started looking. And then uh, Paul started talking about it, and unbeknownst to him, I went out and bought us a two player starter set.
1: Amazing.
0: Well, and and even before that, I actually ended up buying Chris a model for Christmas because you know, like I said, we I just kept seeing it at one of the local game stores, and I was like, well, Chris loves dwarves. There's this really cool dwarf. There's no like, there's no nobody's playing, so there's no reason for him to feel like it's a invitation to you have to go buy more. So I picked him up a dwarf and like literally the day before it came in for me to give it to him. Um, he was like, I want to play this game.
2: I was like, I did. I was thing. like, well, now I,
0: now I look douchey getting him this model <laughs> being
2: like, hey, here's your second faction. Because <laughs> yeah, because I'd already because I'd already picked up the fi- uh, the the first blood, which is the skirmish format for this game same exact models. If you don't like rank and flank, you can play a skirmish game with the exact same models, exact same core rules. Uh yep. And so I, I just picked <laughs> that up because it had, I knew he was looking at orcs and it had the undead Romans in it. And I was like, yes, I will pick this up. Um, Cause you know, you, I've mentioned it multiple times on the show. I don't like rank and flank games. A lot of it came from my history with Warhammer fantasy this game and we'll get into it this this game removes a lot of the reasons why i don't like rank and flank games so i was like hell i'll give it a try and if i don't like it i still have a skirmish game
1: all right well let's talk about it that that leads us pretty pretty squarely into the into the like next part of the discussion so rules wise what's the elevator pitch here paul what what separates this game like what are the like not the nitty gritty details, but like the broad strokes that make this different from your standard uh I go, you go big daddy fantasy war game. Okay,
0: so there's two things that are super unique about the way this game functions. The first one that I'm going to get into is deployment, right? And you, you've, you've heard me talk about Chain of Command and how interesting it is because nothing starts on the table and you're getting to make decisions about where stuff comes in and and all that. This game is somewhat similar. You don't start with anything on the table. Okay. You have certain units that are going to come on first. Like there's light, medium and heavy units. Light units are the first ones to come on. So in turn one, you roll a random die, you roll a die and on a one or a two light units, the light units come in. Right. Um, uh, with the, with the new update though, you, uh, you automatically get to pick one to come in, you know, you can, you can, you can do that. You can bring them on. Um, and then the next turn light units come in on fours and lower medium units come in on one and twos third round, all light units come in mediums come in on four heavies come on, on one or twos. And then the next turn it, it mediums come on automatically heavies on under four. So it could it could conceivably be, especially in a larger two thousand point game, turn five before your entire army's on the table. Um, And what also becomes really interesting thing about uh, interesting about that is that you actually are able to push forward your deployment line as your units move up. So so basically, what that means is your your least far forward light unit Um, your medium units can come on from a table edge right at the at the line that that unit forms so you're also in a situation where you're not necessarily having your super awesome uh, units getting shot up before they get all the way across the table and you're able to make a decision on where you're bringing them on to have the most impact
1: which is super cool right like the implications of that are a lot one is that The game doesn't start sort of in media res, right? Which is cool, right? You're, you're actually, it feels like you are actually seeing a small portion of a larger battle sort of like enveloping Mm -hmm. in an area. That's cool. Uh, and the second part is that like the way that the game works is that it slowly evolves over the course of the game and the way that you bring models onto the table is dynamic. Uh, yes. and the dynamism changes the strategy and the like battle lines and where they're drawn sort of like changes as the game goes and you get further up the table and then push back and there's like a tension and, and sort of like mm-hmm. uh, fog of war and push and pull. And I really, really, really like that aspect of the game.
2: Yeah. For, for, I, for I, me, I, it okay. for me, it really feels like when you are getting those. Those first few models on the table, turn one, turn two, it really feels like it's the vanguard. It's the, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the early forces going out there, you know, starting the battle pitch, you know, and then you've got, you know, the rest of your army slowly coming behind because they're more heavily armored. They're slower, you know, but you, you've already got the battle started. So you've got that ebb and flow already going just like a traditional battle would have been like in this time period. Super cool.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool that way. Um, now the second, the second very unique aspect of the game is it is, it is a uh, alternating activation game,
1: right? There's a big twist though.
0: Yes. Uh, the big twist is that you get a commit, what's called a command deck. And that command deck is a card for every single one of your units. At the beginning of each round, you order that deck in the order that you want your units to activate. So if you want a certain unit to go first, you put them on top. Now, just just before we get into, just, just so you know all the implications of that. At the beginning of each turn, you're rolling for initiative. So even if your guy is on the top, they might you know, be in danger before you get to go, depending on that initiative role. So it's very important for how you're going to think about how you're ordering that.
1: And like, also, you know, it's like best laid plans, right? That's, this is the fog Mm -hmm. of war mechanic because like you can, you can plan your order of activations and halfway through the round be like, you know, it's that like, I'm a genius. Oh no. (laughs) like, oh God, bad decision. yeah yeah because you you realize halfway through the round that you've uh, tragically miscalculated your opponent's intellect mm-hmm. uh, and they've screwed up all your plans um, and I, I mean that's is so cool. it's such a cool thing um, so and 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 I guess
0: full disclosure for everybody um we're we're still just like dabbling in the initial stages of learning the game. Um, I went out and and played last night and really got to to learn it um, and really have the experience with it. And that command deck adds such a bit, such a good amount of
1: tension to the beginning of the turn. Well, can I, can I talk for just a sec? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, go the, ahead. Go the, ahead. Go the, 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 or I, I want to ask a question. Sorry. Not, can I talk? Okay. The, the other thing that's neat about the command deck is it's not just the units, right? The, the, the commanders are also separate cards. Yes. Right? Even though they're attached to units. That is. And correct. the commanders kind of let you double activate, sort of, right?
0: Kind of. So basically what it does is it allows your commander um think about Malifo, right? Your 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 master's got three actions as opposed to everybody else's two, right? Yep. Yep. So this is a way of giving your commander a extra action on their card pull. Uh, and what that really allows you to do is if you have a wizard, you cast a spell. You might have a, um, they have what's called draw events. So when you draw the card, um, your commander might have a ability that they can do, like uh, in in the Woodroom, which is the orc riding Aztec dinosaurs, or Aztec orc dinosaur guys. Um, the the matriarch queen. She has an ability when she act when when you pull her card. Uh, she has a draw ability that allows a regiment within eight eight inches to heal four wounds. Sick. You know, so so like that's even something that you're factoring in because she's like um, an
1: inspiring presence, right? And they mm-hmm. like yes, exactly. Feel exactly more so strong. It's it's a,
0: it's a way of giving them that special unique ability to kind of stand out above their general like move and, and attack with the regiment.
2: Yeah. So like with like, like old dominion, I can activate one of my commanders who, uh, cause old dominion have everything that's called memories of old. Cause they're all dead. So they have memories of old as a way of them having like special rules of like, Hey, I remember what it was like in life. I could do this and every unit has a unique one. So you can activate your commander, have him do their memories of old. So which means you're not wasting an activation for your legionnaires to uh, activate phalanx, which, you know, gives them an extra point of defense, uh, because now they're going into, you know, they're locking shields. So now that. I don't have to, sp- I can do my, still do my move and another action with them because my commander already activated their memories of old.
1: And, and you know me, too. I'm already thinking about, like, second-level play. And the, mm-hmm. like, second-level play here is that, like, you're counting your opponent's activations. Correct. Yep. And using your commander's activations to space out your units based on what you think your opponent's going to do, right? Like, Yep. So, yeah. Oh, man. That there's, is so cool. There's definitely a yeah. bluffing
2: mechanic that goes with the with the way you're placing your commanders. That's uh, super yes, neat.
0: And, and, and that's just it, right? Like, you got to build it so this way, because because what really comes down to it, and I don't think I understood this until I, I was playing a couple rounds last night, is that you have to balance the fact that when you activate the commander, the unit is not activating, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to be like, all right, I need this person to get this ability off, but that regiment is in a tough spot. I need them to activate which do I do first and what right. do I think my opponent's going to do? Do I have time to to make this happen first?
1: Well, so cool. So cool.
0: Yeah, it, it was, it, you know, I've watched a lot of battle ports and read read the rules and stuff like that. But until I actually started doing it, I didn't realize exactly how dynamic it was.
1: Yeah, that's how it always is, right? That's how, like, when you like for me, like, and, and this is gonna go back. We'll go back to like a Song of Ice and Fire. When you watch a, mm-hmm. a battle report of a Song of Ice and Fire, it is the most boring looking game ever. <laughs> it it yep. like you watch a battle report of that game, and you're like, why does anybody find this game interesting? And then and then you play a game, and you're right. sitting at your third activation for a turn, and you're like holy fuck, there is a lot going on in this game, right? Like, it's just way more complicated than you imagine.
0: I've been Uh, presented with 17 different options and all of them suck. Which one's the (laughs) least
1: bad? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And that's that's, kind of what I mean, right? Yeah, yep. and but I mean that's that's the kind of thing you're getting here too, right? Is that the game you can read the rules and it doesn't really translate into onto the battlefield experience. And I, I'm trying to like do my best at it. Um, like right. just imagining what that like next level of play and how it meant how it would be to to play the game feels. But like it's super cool to hear it confirmed that it is actually yes. like that. Yep.
0: Yes. And and one of the other things too, Kev, is that every army has uh special abilities that are are specific to the army
1: right and and it, um, and, it is, and it's not just little things right this is like deeply flavorful oh, stuff. Yeah, oh I mean, yeah they i mean they are, are
0: army they are army defining right yeah. like absolutely army defining like for example um the the wadrooon the orcs they they kind of take the whole g w concept of a wog to the next, next level. level yeah Right. Like Wog is basically like, cool, you're going to have a good turn. Whereas Um, with the orcs, they sing the entire battle. All right. So every (laughs) time you activate a unit with orcs, uh, they're singing a song.
1: Wait, so so now so now you're telling me they're Aztec dinosaur riding soccer hooligan orcs.
0: (laughs) Yes, that is the perfect way to think of them. Yep. (laughs) Oh, my uh, God. Right. And so, and so there's, there's options too. And th- and this is where the, it's so many layers and I can't not go through them all, even though it's kind of out of order for how we normally talk about stuff. But, you know, so there's different, there's essentially three different cults as they call them. And each one kind of sings their own song. But what ends up happening is if I, I activate a, um, like a matriarch queen and I flip her over and she's a cult of death. I, I, put out a token that says, all right, my cult of death people have chanted a song. And then then my next activation, I flip over a different unit, cult of death. All right. Now they played two songs. And at that point, I can choose to have them um, what's called sing the chance, right? So then there's a whole chart that tells me if I have two tokens and they're singing this song, here's the bonus that they can have. So, for instance, with death, it's plus one to your attack rolls. So or whatever unit head, act, nice so wife. whatever units activating, I can have them sing, and now they're at plus one attack. All right, sweet. Right. So then, so then, one step further, if you get three out, you automatically have to chant, and you get two two tiers on the list. So it's forcing you to think about. All right, this is how I want to activate. But is that going to be the most uh, beneficial way to activate people and and benefit from the chance? Are,
1: are you going to get the, the tiered chance where you want them on the activations you want them on?
0: Right. And and going into that, though, is you also have to consider what is your opponent going to do? Are they going to entirely wipe out a unit? Huh. And take that away from you and completely destroy the order that you had going for your chance.
1: Damn, which, that is super cool.
0: Which then when you're thinking about it, because most times when you play a game, you're like, well, that unit's going to die. Let me just activate them now. Right? Yeah, so think about that it. might not necessarily be the best way to do it.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. Can, that can, is pretty cool. Can, can I talk about my shtick?
2: Yeah. Go do for it. it. All right. So I played the undead. So they've got two things that are really cool about them. Uh, I don't take morale tests at all. And just like a uh, song of ice and fire, morale is a big part of this game. So uh, just like that, when you take morale test, you're going to lose fud out of your units. Um, mm-hmm. So that is a huge part of the game that I just completely 100% ignore. I don't even I don't take so, it into account.
0: So can you can you explain how morale works? Just so this way
2: everybody knows. <sighs> it's been a it's been a minute since I read the rules on it, but essentially. Um, I think it, it isn't it similar. So you might have to explain it because it's been a minute and you played last night. So right. you, you got a better. So
0: so basically, basically the way it works is when you're attacked in melee range, attacks don't cause morale checks. But when you're attacked in melee and um, for every wound you take, you roll a die on a morale check for every one that you fail, you take another
2: wound. Right. Oof, so ignoring brutal. that is fucking huge. It's a, It's amazing. But here's the other thing about my army. My army gets more powerful as it dies. So I actually... So there's a there's a thing that's called the Dark Power Table. And it's got four tiers on it. And as you go through the tiers, uh, you get more powerful. Like, I think, like, tier three is your memory of the old activate immediately. Like, you, you, you no longer have to use an action for them. Like, they just activate. So every unit gets their unique memories of old ability. Um... So and then uh, and then there there's other aspects to it as well too. Uh, I have certain war gear pieces that can make my units that have commander models in them act as if they're one tier higher than what we actually are uh, on that table, and we have spells that will literally just go that stand right there of my own dot guys dead. They just they just die. So I'm automatically getting 4 points into my into my uh, dark art or dark power table. And then I just go, "Hey, come back to life because I'm the undead." And I just raise those guys back to life. So I am churning and eating my own units to power my table and at the same time bringing them back to life to
1: continue fighting. Neat. And are they more expensive per unit then than your average unit? Uh, I think so, yeah. Cause
2: I think, uh, I think your average unit is like what 165, Paul. Um, and I, think, uh, yeah, I, yeah,
0: no, none of my FUD FUDs are really over that.
2: Yeah. And I think, I think mine are a little bit more expensive than that, uh, for my Legionnaires, which are my base unit, um, for, for my guys, uh, so yeah, so like our again, our shtick is we get more powerful as we die, but mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, we also are bringing our guys back because we're the undead and we're basically, you know, we're vegans. You know, we're we're eating what we what we killed. So
1: <laughs> interesting that's cool and like and again every faction has their shtick, right so yep yeah like Wadrun, yeah it. yeah like wadroon or not what
2: uh the dwemer which are the the dwarves um mm-hmm. I don't remember specifically what theirs but like they're a lot of heavy armor a lot of and they spell cast really well. Which is strange yeah, for was, me for seeing a dwarf army spellcast. Well, it's because
1: they they learn magic from dragons. Correct. Right? They, they, were, they were previously yeah. slaves and they were slaves to the dragons. Correct. But then the dragons taught them magic and then they rebelled against the slave – their slave master dragons. Yeah. Pretty cool. I've read a lot of the lore because the lore is also – Amazing. Like very Fantastic. cool. Yeah, it's very cool. <laughs> yeah. They're, yep. they're probably and like right up there with Corvus Belly in terms of like some of the best lore masters in war gaming.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. And um, to give you an idea of, idea of even more cool things, the new faction that just came out, City States, uh, they're very Greek themed. Uh, so one of the things that they have in their army is minotaurs. So you can get units of minotaurs running across the table. But one of their special things that they can do as a faction is their minotaurs can run in with their regular human infantry. So you've got a brick phalanx of dudes being led by a minotaur.
1: That's so cool. Well, and because their, their stick is they understand God, right? Like they, they, like the city States, I, again, I've, I don't, I do not have not read all the rules of the game, but by golly, I read their lore articles. Uh, and and as, as far as I understand it, the city States, kind of figured out that like the way that the A works, which is the world, right? The setting is Aia, the way A works is that things that are believed in by enough people become real. And so that's sort of how gods become real. They're kind of willed into existence by collective consciousness. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. that's why the memories of old and things work for old Dominion. And the thing about the city states is they made worship into science. Yep, and so they can sort of control God, <laughs> if if that makes sense, right? So their pantheon of gods, they will them into existence, which is so cool. And and lore wise, one
0: of the interesting things there is if you if you like the history of Greece, you know, uh, one of the things that that they play on is the idea of uh, the city old. states essentially becoming a um, self fulfilling prophecy right very much like the story of Oedipus so uh the one of the guys who was not quite like a huge political leader but was up there saw that everything was going to end so he started diverting funds into building these other city states with with gods you know minor gods that are leading them and because he started shuffling that you know those funds aside that created the collapse
2: yeah uh i so so my faction old dominion is the one that was caused the collapse, which I think is great as well too. Um, But the cool thing about them is that I actually have a character in my, in that one of my commanders for, for my army and it's the fallen divinity and it's this gorgeous, like monster for my army. So I, so her, she's like got an angel wing on one side, a demon wing on the other side. And, And the story is, it's like, As humanity started realizing that, like I think it's Haslia is the the way they pronounce the gods. Haslia is
1: the main, the main, the main god.
2: Yeah. So Haslia is they figured out. Humanity started figuring out just like the city state saw that you know Haslia was a very uh, jealous and very selfish god, and essentially only did things that serviced him and getting him more power. And he is he essentially was the one that started creating other gods. And so as humanity starts breaking from him and running away and causing the the collapse in the Old Dominion uh, – the area where the Old Dominion are to fall into ruin, he is so angry and upset about this that he literally drags the fallen divinity with him who was, who was a lower god and f- pulled her down into her – into his downfall into his, in, where he essentially finally starts merging – with the entity of death to stay a god, uh, and brings her down. That's why she's like half angel, half demon. And the the model piece is fantastic. I just I think that is such a cool piece of lore of like, f you guys, I'm not going down without a fight, and you're coming with me. <laughs> and it's a mm-hmm. god that like humanity is like,
1: you know what? No, screw you. We're done with you. Yep. Yeah. So that should cool. give you an
0: idea of how awesome the lore is right there.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. Lore is very good. And so we got alter. Sorry, we we'll get get back to the thread here. We got <laughs> yeah, alternate, alternating activations. Uh, we we talked about one of the core mechanics, which is the um, shock, right? Like how ha- how fear and shock work on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. So, uh, talk to me like about the the actual combat system. Um, it, are we t- we're, we're talking about d sixes? Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Talking about uh, d sixes.
1: And how how does it work? Like, so you have a stand and a stand, what generates a pool of D6s per stand that's in contact or per, like, how does it work?
0: All right. So there's a, there's a couple of dynamics there. So, and I think I need to start by saying that um, they just released a a 2.0 and they changed some things. Um, The first thing, the first thing that they changed, it used to be an, you know, an attack stat per guy. And what they realized over time is that then everything had to be adjusted by fours and some units that maybe uh, needed more attacks were, you know, too strong at eight. So they started doing it by stand instead. Right. Uh, And they also did that with wounds as well. So like my orcs now have five wounds based on their on per stand.
1: And so rather than rather than you take a wound, you lose a guy, you lose five wounds, you lose a stand.
0: Correct, correct correct okay okay um so yeah so that makes it that makes it a little bit different uh and then you can have people that have five attacks and, and whatnot
1: and it's also worth noting here sorry sorry it's worth noting here for people listening that like when you buy things you buy them by stand so you have like a core cost that your first stand cost in a unit and then additional cost per stand. And then based on the number of stands that you have in a unit, there are specific formation requirements that you can fill. So like eight stands, for example, can look one of three ways based on legality of formation. All right. Sorry. I just wanted to set that aside so people could visualize it.
0: Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's good. Um, and, and just to, just to clarify a little bit there, uh, your base, your base stand number is usually three, unless it's sure. a monster.
1: Yep. Yeah. Oh, right. Uh, so and then, 12 and then you can yep. pay
0: for more on top of that. Got it. Um, Got it. but basically the way, the way it works, if you're attacking somebody, um, you know, anybody that's any, any, any of your stands that is touching one of your opponent's stand, you get to add their attacks. Okay. Um, but now what's interesting is every, stand behind them contributes a bonus attack so if you're if you're three wide and you get five attacks each and you know you're too deep then you're getting 15 attacks for those front guys and three more for the guys in the back
1: Yep, super cool and that yeah. that affects how you how you throw out your six stands right or your yep. eight stands based on yep. like, how you're gonna well, maximize you're- them Yep. And when you're, and, and, and you don't have to decide that till you deploy them. So you're looking across the table and like, this is how I have to set them for maximum impact.
0: And you can reform too. You know, you can, you can spend your, your movement activation, uh, you know, just doing a straight up reform. Um,
2: I have some, some unique reforms too, like where it's like an L shape.
0: (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's some crazy stuff that you can do. Um, but yeah, so so one of the other things that they do is uh, your rolls are kind of reversed. It's a little bit more infinity where you're trying to roll up to your target number. Golf. Um, so ones are good, six are bad. Um hmm Yeah, so that's a that's a little weird when you're thinking like, oh, I'm hitting on twos. Well, yes, that's like hitting on fives. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so and then you know you would attack and there's no like toughness or anything like that from fantasy or subtracting strength and, and whatnot um, so it's just straightforward did I hit you okay now you roll your defense saves and then you roll morale afterwards
1: Yeah, um, yeah it's,
0: so
2: it's
1: pretty weird. straightforward there it's weird seeing a defense save of a one <laughs> it took me a minute to <laughs> yeah. get used to that well that's and that's a very that's a very strong unit right defensive oh no it's bad because only yeah, ones are the bad. hits right yep. yeah yep. cuz
2: like basically <laughs> means they're like they're paper thin but the cool thing about it and and I know you're probably going to go in this Paul but I'm going to jump in is if if you have something where uh, there's another skill that can hopefully help those units that don't have armor. It's called evasion, which you always mm-hmm. you always get. Um, and it's usually if you have it, it's usually you know a two or higher. So that way you do at least get the attempt at some sort of save if you're just you know paper thin glass cannon kind of stuff.
0: Right, and and basically what that's showing though is is the maneuverability of lighter armor, right? Because your guys that are heavy armor, you know, three four armor. I don't, I don't know that anybody's base for, but yeah, your guys that are three armored usually don't have an evade stat, right? So they're always going to be affected by anything that can reduce your armor, whereas your lighter guys, they can say, yeah, you might be getting through that, but we can jump out of the way more efficiently because we don't have as much, you know, weighing us down.
1: Yep. Which is neat. It means they have two lovers defensively to pull on and like meaningful lovers. Correct. Right.
0: Yes. And, and, and it's almost, it's almost like an invulnerable save because there's nothing that modifies them at this point.
2: Right. That's neat. Yeah. yeah Cause there's a lot that modifies armor in terms of like special mm-hmm. abilities like cleave or, you know, pierce or other abilities like that. Um, but right now it doesn't. So it's like, I know, like my army doesn't have a lot of evade in it because we're the shambling undead and we actually have a lot of armor on us. Whereas like, Paul's army is in like leather jerkins and bamboo uh, for their armor. Mm -hmm. And so like they're able to jump around a lot and and are very agile, which is very thematic. And they do a good job of balancing that lever to pull from theme as well as, you know, uh, core rules within the game
1: and balance in the gameplay. Yeah. The Nords are also very agile. Correct. Because they don't have a lot of armor.
0: Yeah. Yep. And they they probably have higher evasion than than the Orcs do.
1: They're the highest highest evasion army from my understanding, yeah.
0: yeah. Yep. And then there is shooting in the game, but the designers are very adamant that shooting is not a mainstay of the game, so there's not a whole lot of incentive for you to be a uh turtle and shoot kind of thing.
1: Well, it's it's hard to shoot, right? And and it should be. Shooting shouldn't be the easy simple way out so i mean they they buffed it they buffed
2: it in 2.0 a little bit
1: ah uh, okay
2: yeah so so basically with the with
0: the change from 1.5 to 2 is that you used to have to get like into all right well i'm at long range so i gotta half my shots round up and okay now i'm obscured so i take away more or i have to hit less so they're basically like all right well now um we're just doing away with all that and we're just going to make it a lot more straightforward. So since you weren't reducing your uh shots at long range, they basically shortened everybody's range. Right? So okay. you have to get in, in a more dangerous spot uh, to be to, to be effective all. in your shooting. Yeah. Okay, um, well
1: that's cool. I like that though. Like because yep. one of one of the problems with, you know, pre like especially p- people who played Warhammer Fantasy will tell you, like shooting was abysmal. It was like mm-hmm. it not a uh, totally unfun to play against.
2: Mhm. Play it, play it, play a, play against a dwarf or freeze flank gun line. Have fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and, and to show how, how much they really want you, uh, face to face with your enemy, um, and with how important morale is ranged attacks, do not generate morale checks. So nobody's super scared and running away because they got shot in the face with
1: an arrow. Yeah, they're just angry, charging toward the archers. Yes, <laughs> exactly. They're like, well, you'll, we got to take
0: you out for our heavy buddies coming out.
1: Only piss them off. Yep. yep. All right. Cool. I like it. So how big of a table do we need to play this game? What's the What's the the, the size that we're talking about here? Is, is it variable? Is it preferred at one size? What are we talking about?
0: It is variable. Uh, sometimes it depends on the scenario, um, but... You're either going to be playing on a 4 by 4 or you're going to be playing on a 6 by 4 um, Okay. Most, so the, big, most of the time, I, I think you're mostly going to be on a 6, six by
1: 4 6 and 4, four. are yeah. All right. And, yeah. you're, and you've now segued into the, the last thing that I wanted to hit on for the game and, and pe- perhaps the most important thing that we're going to spend some time talking about. And that is scenario design and scenario play um because you know we're we're we've come from a background where we've played a lot of war games and we know that this is the make or break thing in a war game um and I, I want to hear some of what you guys think about scenario design as you understand it so far and like what the the pluses maybe negatives maybe all pluses are to the scenario design in uh conquest
2: yeah. So, uh, one of the things that I love about it is is one of the things that I love about, uh, scenarios, uh, scenarios in a song of ice and fire is that, uh, not only are there mission scenarios that you can do, but there are hidden objectives that you can achieve as well, too, just for your faction. And they're very, and they're, and these and they're unlike a song of ice and fire where it's just a pool of hidden ones that you pull from. These are faction specific. So my hidden objectives for the Old Dominion are going to be different from Dwegum, from Spires, from Wodroon, etc. Which I think is amazing. It adds an extra layer of fluff, uh, theming to the army... And it adds it to the word. It's like you're. If you switch between factions, you're not going to get bored doing the same hidden objectives. If you play multiple uh, armies, you are going to have a different experience from when I play hundred kingdoms from when I play spires. Uh, when it comes to those hidden objectives, so which I I love that. Um, and again, there's more levers that they can pull on that as they branch out and decide to do more things because that's just a couple of cards that you can release as a side pack, which they have just re uh, released. Uh, brand new cards for 2.0 for all the factions and all those scenarios are in them so anytime they do that they just like here's the packs here's the new objectives have a nice day
0: yeah and and the thing is too since they're doing that they they pretty much do those packs once a year and you buy them you get your you get whatever new scenarios they put out think of it kind of like um you know a new gaining grounds Right. So you get your scenario cards. They also give you cards for every unit that's been released. So this way, if you lost them, you get more. Um, and it. I also found out last night that they do have uh, some of them have uh, army specific cards that you might need. Like for the Wadroon, it does have three cards for <clears throat> each of the songs that you can chant. Uh, so this way you can more easily keep track of them. Uh, and they also have cards with the different spells on them, Uh, which I think also leads us into something that we also kind of care about, even though it's away from, uh, well, let me, let me stick to scenarios there real quick. Uh, I think that's something that we're going to be able to better speak on the more we play. Uh, But my impression initially is that the scenarios are actually quite dynamic. Um, One of the ones that sticks out to me that I've, I've seen played is There's one where it's like your standard three objectives across the table, right? Like your middle and then halfway to the edges, which is fine, right? Like pretty standard. What's unique about it, though, is that turns like, I think it's two through four. The middle objective is worth two points. The outside ones are worth one. And then for the middle rounds of the game, it flips, so then, the inside one is only worth one. The outside ones are worth two. Yeah. And then w- for the last few rounds of the game, it flips back again.
2: Yeah, that was the object. That was the one you and I played when we played First Blood.
0: Yeah. Yep. And that's 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 what it does. So it it so you have to still be thinking like, all right, how do I want to approach this? Do I want to try and dominate the outside ones while they're worth less, so I have them when they're worth more, and um, taking into what the score is. Uh, actually is and and deciding from there, which I think is great. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I I like the six by four and I know I've told this to Chris a lot of times, um, but like I love the fact that in a six by four game, you have to really worry about your flanks a lot more than you do on a four by four. Um, You know, if one of your flanks is collapsing, you have to decide how you want to handle that. Um, So it it just it just it's a very different way of thinking with the game. Um, So I actually actually have a I have a a question before we move on too far. Um, Chris, I wanted to go back to what you said earlier that this game and actually I've been wanting to ask you this for days, but I was waiting. Um, You said that this game fixes a lot of the issues you have with Rank and Flank and as long as i've known you you've always said i don't want to play rank and flank um got you into song of ice and fire because it was far more skirmish than it is rank and flank so what about this game makes you want to play it as opposed to i don't like rank and flank
2: so one of the things i love about skirmish games is the maneuverability that you have in a skirmish game uh you're you're not locked down to, you know, having to really concern yourself where your units are uh, in, in comparison to like bumping into your own units. um, This, it, and, and I like skirmish games because there's more open, more fluidity to it. With the way that you do your deployment in this game really solves a lot of that for me. Because I have a lot, since I'll have less models on the table in the early parts of the game... I, I won't have a lot of those maneuverability issues that I have with rank and flank. Cause like, and again, I got my start in, in Warhammer Fantasy Battle. I, I started with Lizardman back when I was 12. I, I transferred into Chaos. Um, and then finally into Dwarves. So like, I, I have, I played a, uh, or you know, I almost said Agent Sigmar played Warhammer Fantasy Battles a lot. Uh, it, it's, and again, I, it was always just I felt so claustrophobic with my units and in, in my choices mm-hmm. there, where I feel in conquest because of the way the deployment works, that claustrophobia has been removed, um, and a lot of the things too I've always felt like about uh, I I didn't like far, uh, the a lot of the magic systems were always very kind of it sometimes it felt like it was make or break. Uh, in, in mm-hmm. a lot of the, the fantasy games and rank and flank. Um, so it's not a, an issue with rank and flank per se in terms of the design of, of that kind of system. It's just more along the lines of typically magic systems come with fantasy rank and flank games. So with this one where it's a lot more it's not a phase it's like just a normal commander activating and it's part of that commander's uh activation which is one of the changes they made in Age of Sigmar which i liked um i like that in this game as well too that it's there's not a lot of like it's this phase then it's this phase then it's this phase mm-hmm. like it's it is activate unit do ability activate unit do abilities activate unit do abilities there's there's none of this phase crap anymore um, which was a big turnoff for me in Age of Sigmar as well, too. Or not? Damn it! I did again. Warhammer <laughs> Fantasy Battle. Um, so I think you know that fixes it here in this game. Those are my two biggest things that I had issues with. Um, that I'm that Conquest removes for me, and you know play. And I think playing uh, a Song of Ice and Fire. I think helped me get over a little bit of my issues with rank and flank as well too. Like, even though it it is a rank and flank game, it just felt more skirmishy. I still feel out of all the battle reports I've watched, this game still feels a little bit more skirmishy than a typical rank and flank.
0: All right. Well, one, one thing I will say though, um, after, after playing last night is that it, the one thing that song of ice and fire doesn't have that, rank and flank games do is, is really uh, worrying about like your angle of attack and how your guys are moving and where they're going. Whereas this definitely does.
2: Well, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say that. I mean, you need to worry about that in the song of ice and fire as well, too, because if you want to get those side flank bonuses and if you want to like block your opponent from getting those angles on you, so that way they can't get those bonuses for charging you in the flank or the rear, I mean that that still exists in in A Song of Ice and Fire as well too. Yeah, but the the
0: the impact of it is kind of reduced because you have like four guys on the table.
2: I mean that that part is fair. That part is fair,
0: right? When you have when you're when you're getting like, you know, five, six, seven units out there, you know, then you're really starting to think about it, and and you know even more so, you know, because you're looking at it at, at different parts of the table with it being six by four as opposed to um, four by you know, four. four by four. So right. I think, I think I get, I guess the way to say it is that it feels even more meaningful. Right. Than it does in a song of ice and fire.
2: Yeah, no. And that can be fair. Like I said, I, I've only, I've only played the skirmish version of the game so far. Uh, mm-hmm. I will be playing my first game uh, uh, tomorrow of the rank and flank. And we did that on purpose uh because we wanted two different viewpoints of someone that was coming into the game and someone that's actually played the game uh so you know in with Paul having that knowledge now of actually playing the game uh it's going to help me go in tomorrow and, and 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 see how much this is i i better like it cuz i really hella bought into this game <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I it might th- be an
1: understatement.
2: Uh, no, I own the entire uh, Old Dominion factions. I own everything. I, th- <laughs> I think you're.
1: I think you're gonna like it just fine. Yeah. If I'm being yeah. honest, no, I think
2: I am too. Like I, I, and we talked about this. You know, Chops and I talked about this a little bit before you joined, Paul. And I, I've really been missing a good fantasy game. Um, yep. You know, like yep. We gave, we gave Age of Sigmar a try. And, and while, uh, you know, I, I do enjoy Age of Sigmar's rule set, th- there was just something lacking from the lore and from the models. And I think this is really, I think Parabellum has done such a fantastic job with their lore. Um, I mean, there was one day uh, you and I hung out, Paul, and all I did was goob over the lore. And, mm-hmm. and it was just, it's, it's so good. And that's one of the things that drew me into 40K. Was the lore, um, and I feel like I've been missing that in a game, um, outside of, of infinity, uh, where I didn't really get into their lore, but their lore is fantastic. Um, the lore here has really drawn me in, which is helping me, I think, gonna help me stick with the game, regardless if I have issues, uh, just because the, the world setting is just fantastic. They've, they've done such a great job with it.
0: Well, and and on top of that, the the armies are so characterful yes. and represent that lore, which I think is a huge bit of it.
2: I mean, they they've done really well with like every every faction, which I think, with the exception of maybe spires and dwagum, have a real world attachment. You know, where we've we've talked about the Aztecian Mayan orcs, we've talked about the the Roman Byzantine undead. We've got the Greco Roman city states. Um, you know, Hundred Kingdoms are very, you know, medieval, typical human, uh, faction. So, uh, they just re- the they've got a new we've got a new faction coming out that is, uh, spellcasters, uh, that just got voted on, and that's one of the great things about this too is that Parabellum lets you vote on the next faction. They have something like twenty other factions that they they're ready to like, p- t- you know, pull the trigger on, uh, lore wise. And they let the community vote on which ones they want, which is amazing. Um, you know, and these guys are like, they're like what? Uh, underwater sorcerers. Uh, yeah. It's like, it's like
0: Atlantis, but they've raised it.
2: Right. So you're going to, and that one's got, uh, I can't remember the real world influence that they're pulling from there. Uh, but I think it was a lot more Middle Eastern influence, if I remember correctly. Oh um, man, that yeah. is so cool. Yeah. And then you got the Norns, which are obviously Vikings. Um, and then they were, so one of the other, the, the factions that were being voted on was just called Hell. And it's one of the last three remaining original dwarves that were not killed during the Dwegum's rebellion. And it's them and like just the, the, the Norse gods of like Loki, Hell, Thor, and everything else too. Unfortunately, they didn't get chosen. So we'll have to see them down the line. But it's – again, they've got real-world attachments, which for me as someone that loves history, it makes me be able to get into the the game a lot easier and a lot uh, a deep as I already have. Again, it's just because the models are so representative of those cultures and they've done a really good job and they're not anything that's like a, a poor representation of those cultures. They did a really good job making sure that they – got things historically accurate like the cataphracts that i have in my army look like byzantine cataphracts they're exactly what they look like
1: in history and they've done such a good job with their models and their lore yeah super cool and and just to, to clarify too on on the spire the spires are cosmic horror that's the the real world equivalent um like they're yeah. like the old gods made real. They like come down and and rend flesh to their will, right? Like that's kind of the cuz you don't see well, many and, actual and, spires. You the you're, you're not seeing the spires themselves. You're seeing the things that they've sort of biomanced. They've like just like sort of smashed flesh together to make these horrible things that well, they and, had that's, to, and that's represented
0: and, in how they play, Kev, too, right? Like there's there's guys who uh, like there's units that that can morph and change as you play the game yeah like there's I mean, units like- that might only be melee but then how you how you play them they could end up gaining you know range weapons
1: yeah and like and you know, you know like one of their thing their main core unit is called force grown drones like they are, mm-hmm. these are this, this shit is gross
2: <laughs> yeah i mean they're they're literally the leftover stuff that they just forced into creating life for
1: Flesh, flesh, goo, flesh, goo, shaped in this, into uh, uh, arms, legs, and then bandaged, (laughs) so that it stays together. From a war
2: perspective, those those flesh grown drones, like they have like a lifespan of like a week.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they're like like flies, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Pretty gross. And I I, I think their
0: coolest unit, though, at least to me, is the uh, centaurs that they have. the centaur cavalry, so amazing. They're so
1: rad. Yeah. Um, they are very, very cool. I mean, I don't know. I love the Spires. I think it, it's funny because they really ride that line between the old janky models and the new beautiful ones. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the things you're talking about, the centaurs. that's one of the newest models, the, yeah. the Centaur Avatara. And those things are like – that's a model to go look up is the centaur avatara because they those those are spires right like they they have like like actual elven features the the heads but they're also like heavily armored centaurs and they're like what you would consider like chest armor for the front of a horse right it's like maws and just like this oh it's so brutal and disgusting i love them yeah, yeah, so those guys cool. are are
0: super cool.
2: They they were the faction I was like, eh, I'll never play those. They're ugly, and I don't like them. And now
1: I'm like, they look <laughs> no,
2: they're pretty cool.
1: I think yep. they're cool. I think they're ornate and gross, which is like a really cool combination. <laughs> like you don't normally have both ornate and gross. It's one or the other, right? I I think
0: I think part of it too is that now that there's more factions than just humans and weird ornate gross things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I feel like it's not as strange, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I agree with that. All right, so cool. So conquest, good. Uh, we're Why we're getting mad. To that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're we're getting to that point where we're at that we're at the that commute level. Um, so I want to get on some final thoughts. So Paul, final thoughts for you about conquest. I know you've been so excited to talk about the game, and it's kind of. Rough to to let it go, but we might do more episodes. But anyway, for now, oh, final we're gonna, thoughts. We're, we're gonna contest. have
0: to revisit once once Potter and I get a lot more games on. And, yeah, yeah, and we know, can do a true for the end of the year.
1: A compare and contrast, maybe with some other systems.
0: Yep. Um, so before before I go into my final thoughts, Kevin, I have I have to tell you something. Mm-hmm. I went to the dentist today, yeah. and as soon as I sat down in that chair, "Don't stop till you get enough" came on. <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to get dental x-rays when all you want to do is laugh <laughs>
1: that's pretty great uh this is a deep, right, so deep inside <laughs> joke and i'm apologize it would take too um, long to even explain why yeah, this is yeah funny. there's no way
0: go ahead um but yeah so final thoughts on Con- conquest is that i'm super excited about it 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 feeds the uh it scratches the itch that i didn't know needed be to be scratched right like it just kind of snuck up on me From like, oh, I don't need fantasy to I kind of miss six by four games. I kind of miss like having elves and dwarves. And um, so really, really going to scratch that itch. And my initial impression of it is that it is a lot of fun. Um, It's a lot of, as I always like to say, I really like games with with meaningful tactical decision making. And this game seems to have a whole lot of it. Um, and I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it, and especially just with it's. It seems like playing different factions is going to be a very different experience. Um, like like a very different experience. Uh, you know, sometimes games it can be. It, yes, it's different, but it's still fairly close. Minor differences, whereas this has very major differences. Very strong themes, and even visually, just very strong themes super cool
1: potter
2: uh for me um you know you guys my final thought on this is you guys always have talked about games where like when you walk away the next day the next night the next week you're still thinking about the game and that's never really resonated for me even though like back when i was super into war machine uh, this game has done that for me and I haven't even played a game yet. It's living in my head on repeat. It won't go away. Um, and I've not played a rank and flank game yet
1: of it. That is amazing. Like the highest possible praise. That's, that's like almost unbelievably cool to hear you say that. Yeah. Um
2: Yeah. It's, and it's so- it won't go away. I I'm, I'm enthralled. I'm enraptured. I'm looking at stuff every single day. Um, I took all of just Paul going, Hey, they got the fallen divinity in stock last night. And I walked out with it. Like <laughs> all he had to do was tell me it was in stock. And I was like, but. So, you know oh. what? I,
0: th- I think we, I think we've neglected something important here. And, and what, what Potter just said reminded me of it. Um, but we've really neglected to kind of go into the idea that, uh, really you're getting one model, but it plays in two games. Right. Like there is a skirmish version of the game as well that plays on its own, uses every single model from the rank and flank game. And um, other than things that you have to take into account for differences between rank and flank and skirmish, the rules are exactly the same. Yep, Your Some scenario- special rules may change, but it's the same game,
1: essentially. Yeah, I mean your scenarios oh, I'm, I'm not are the taking- same.
2: Your stats on your models are the same. You get the same mm-hmm. units, the same everything. Yep. But
1: they're but they are different playing games. And I, I'm not I'm not taking that for granted. That is very 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 cool.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just feel um, like we kind of glossed over it for a little bit there, and I think that's sure. also important to know that you are getting you know not only uh, for lack of better terms, not only a, a Warhammer Fantasy battles, but you're also getting an AOS.
1: Which is very cool.
2: Yep, two games for the price of one.
0: That's right. Uh, so, Chops, I guess I guess we're gonna need your last thoughts as well as the oh, outsider yeah. here.
1: It's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be tough for me to to stay out of the game. Um, I and it, huh, the thing that's gonna keep me out is that I've already got too many projects that I can't keep up with. Right. So the thing that'll keep me out is my own common sense. But man, the game like I'm still gonna follow it. I'm still gonna read the lore because. I love this setting and maybe someday, maybe someday I will succumb to the game and uh, buy some models.
0: I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that
2: you do.
1: (laughs) He'll he'll, he'll buy you models
2: and ship them to you so you play. I (laughs) I can just have Noah hand them to him.
1: Yeah, it's true. Oh man, don't do that. Please don't do that. My big shipment Um, of
2: models are coming from Noah soon. I get them Friday. (laughs)
1: Yeah, shout out comics, games, and things, Valhalla Hobby and Verona. Uh, we, uh, Noah, the patron, patron saint of both card and miniatures games, deserves your patronage. Absolutely. Um, all right. So, uh, Paul, you want to read us out?
0: Sure. Uh, first of all, thanks to Static is the City for the music at the top and bottom of the show. Um, also, thank you to our patrons. Uh, you guys are awesome. And, uh, yeah, expect some expect some uh, some things to start coming back that we neglected after after our shit year last year, uh, and also join our Discord. It's phenomenal. There seems to have been a uh, influx of people lately, which is fantastic. So come and join all of our craziness, even if you're just lurking around. Uh, there's a channel for you, uh, pretty much any game that you're going to play, um, and I think that covers it. I think we're on our way out. Boom!